Turn off the phone. Noise. Sorry, right. when I push the record button, it takes like five seconds for it to actually start. Which does mean it has started, because I pushed it a while ago. Well, terrific. So, oh. Yeah. Excellent. Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Dan. I'm Hi. Carrie. <laughs> well, I'm Patrick. You and I'm Grandpa. And welcome to the <laughs> Award Beyond. Did we make it to 1990? Is it? This is, this is 1990 Academy 1990 Awards. Awards. We did make it. Yeah. Uh, did. This is If I Ran the Oscars, our show where we take a look at one movie from every year the Academy Awards were on TV. We took a look at what it won for, and then three other categories at random. And this was a very interesting spread year for movies. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy was Best Picture. Uh, Also winning awards that I recognized off of the list was Born on the Fourth of July, The Little Mermaid, Batman, the the first Tim Burton one, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. All those I recognize. Oh, I also recognize The Abyss, but I've never seen it and don't have a plan to. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, But we ended up watching Dead Poets Society, which won exactly one award for Best screen Original Screenplay. So there, I don't really have a great Academy Award fact for this year, necessarily. There wasn't a huge big... Oh yeah, Driving Miss Daisy was the third film to win Best Picture without a Best Director nomination. Huh. Which is really interesting, because usually those two awards go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So... Moving on to this actual film, then, because we can just get right to it if there's nothing in the Academy Awards facts. We can just get to it. Uh, this film was, since we're mainly talking about screenplay, we would then be talking about Tom Schulman. Okay. Uh, this, uh, on his Wikipedia page, is uh, this is described as a semi-autobiographical screenplay, though does not go much into his history as to how that could be. Okay. Uh, he had already written a number of telemovies, and this was his first movie script to hit the screen. Next, it says, he was hired to rewrite Honey, I Shrunk the Kids shortly before the film was due to begin shooting. Okay. Specifically, he had seven days to turn it from a drama into a comedy. Wow. And having seen that movie, it's not a drama. No, it's right. a comedy. <laughs> right. It's a comedy. So good job there. Other scripts written or co-written include comedies Welcome to Mooseport. Okay. What about Bob? There oh, you go. There's really the like surprise face I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. I was just saying that mom, they watched that movie at, at Memory Care recently, and I thought mom should watch that. Second Sight, which he sold the same day as Dead Poets Society, and Holy Man with Eddie Murphy. Huh. Uh, he also wrote Medicine Man with Sean Connery. He's directed one film, a black comedy starring Joe Pesci. And in 2009, he was vice president of the Writers Guild of America West. Hmm. So not necessarily like, you know, the biggest writer ever. But again, Mm -hmm. you don't usually have like superstar writers. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But I believe he did very well for himself. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This movie was impactful i think is a good word for what i felt about this one uh it was nominated for best director best picture and best actor for robin williams and uh it did get the bafta for best film the cesar award for best foreign film which would be the uh, french academy awards so according to them it was the best english movie Hmm. and yeah those are big awards yeah well, I think it's got that Oscar appeal of a 
you know, not a, a, a usual story. It does. Coming yeah. of age and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really can't talk about this movie without finally getting to talk about Robin McLaurin Williams. Mm-hmm. He has a middle name. I've never heard it before. I'd never heard it either. <laughs> uh, I, for those who have known him, they know that he did stand-up in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And his first major thing on TV, aside from having, like, a, I think he had a bit part once on the Richard Pryor show or like doing stand-up on it mm-hmm. and then he was and I did not know this and neither did mom when I mentioned it he was a guest star on Happy Days as the character Mork from the planet Orc did not know and after being on one episode as this character in Happy Days they spun off a TV series called Mork and Mindy that ran for five years but it was a spin-off of a one-episode appearance on Happy Days, which mm-hmm. I thought was very strange. Mm-hmm. It says it says on the the bit of, of uh, information I'm looking at that there was a My Favorite Orkin and there was a Mork Returns. On ah, Happy Days. he came back. Uh, he, ah, he was oh. in two episodes. Uh-huh. My apologies. Two episodes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not to correct yeah. you or anything, but I Indeed. just noticed it. His first starring film role was Popeye in 1980. Hmm. He then would go on to a veritable cavalcade of pretty darn good mm-hmm. movies, uh, including The World According to Garp, Moscow on the Hudson, Good Morning Vietnam, this movie, Dead Poet Society, mm-hmm. Awakenings, The Fisher King, Patch Adams, One Hour Photo, World's Greatest Dad, Hook, Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, Jumanji, The Birdcage, Goodwill Hunting, and the Night at the Museum trilogy. The hmm. third one of which yeah. was released after he had died in 2014. Hmm. I I found it interesting about his career and his movie, uh, his film roles, that some of his roles got surprisingly serious for a man who did a lot of comedy. This movie was a pretty serious one. Like this he, is a very serious he movie. W- yeah. He found ways to smile and to get his impressions in, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like okay, we got to contractually obligate, get the impressions and the goofiness in. it. They were in the movie in places where it would be okay for, you know, I, I've i done teachy stuff. It's You don't pull out your goofy voices all of the time. You pull out your goofy voices when you have to read the book to the first graders. Mm-hmm. So when it was time for him to act like John Wayne doing Hamlet, he was John Wayne doing Hamlet, and then he was pretty serious the rest of the time. I... Yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about Robin Williams other than Mom and I had a very serious discussion about whether improv is acting. Because hmm. he does a lot of improv. And I was very serious that improv is more impressive than acting, and therefore, we, you know, he should still be considered for best actor. And I said that improv is not necessarily acting, it's improvisation. It's a different skill. Yeah. But then that's where we stopped, and you yeah. can continue that discussion on your own. Yep. Other people in this film, uh, Robert Leonard, who I definitely did not know by name, but immediately by face, yeah. uh, is best known for playing Dr. James Wilson in the TV show House. Uh, he has done other things. He's quite proficient in theater. He has a Tony. Mm-hmm. For uh, The Invention of Love in 2001, 
He has all of these nice theater credits, like The Music Man, To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, mm-hmm. fun stuff. Uh, he's been in other TV shows. He's, it's not it's not quite the same as actors in, say, the 70s and 80s, where if you were in TV shows and you weren't a main character, you were in every TV show. Right, right, right. But he's just been in stuff. He's pretty good. Well, I knew a Bob Leonard was a bomber pilot. So mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. The same guy. Yeah. So this Had guy, 1969, probably nine. <laughs> yeah. So for this film, he was 20 years old. Yeah. The mm-hmm. guys, the kids in this film were were around 20. Uh, Ethan Hawke, the next guy, was born in 1970, so 19. Okay. Uh, Ethan Hawke, I was about the only guy other than Robin Williams I recognized by name. I've seen him around. Uh, he also he's been nominated only for a Tony. But now he's also gotten into directing. He's written three novels. Uh, his breakout film was this one, and had uh, okay. only started being in film in 1985. Uh, his most uh, popular ones, I believe, though not in the genre I usually watch, is the Before Trilogy, which are movies Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight, which are like romantic movies. No idea. They've been released nine years apart each in 95, 2004, and 2013. That's crazy. That With the same weird. leading pair. Yeah, that, yes. mm-hmm. So wow. that's a little impressive. Uh, he's been nominated twice for screenplay and twice for supporting actor. Who are we? We're still talking about Ethan Hawke. This is Ethan Hawke, yeah. Okay. No, he's done so. He's done a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, he's mm. been a busy guy since yeah. 1985. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, is is his role in Hamlet, 2000 Hamlet, the reason you asked about Hamlet? I did. Earlier today? Because he played Hamlet in that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> and his uncle, who runs the Denmark Corporation, because it takes place in the modern day, and so you can't be the king of actual Denmark in the year 2000. Denmark's not real. I see. But... He's also uh, kind of an important guy to know, definitely. Uh, next person on my list, uh, Kurtwood Smith, I had here, is the dad of Robert Leonard's character. Uh, he is the dad on that 70s show, and so every time I saw him, I expected him to say he was going to stick his foot up someone's ass. Because that's what he says on that show. He's also, uh, if I'm recalling my... Uh, Good guys and bad guys correctly. The bad guy in RoboCop. Hmm. Another thing that I haven't watched. Uh, he's in Rambo oh. 3. Another thing I haven't watched. Yeah. Unsurprisingly. I'm not... I wasn't expecting you to have. But <laughs> he's, you know, he's not just the dad in that 70s show. He's done at least a couple other things. Okay. And why did I not keep up the page on Norman Lloyd? Because this is another one that if we weren't doing this podcast, I probably never would have heard of this guy. You wouldn't but you would recognize him. him. I wouldn't have looked him up. But you but. would recognize him if you saw him on screen. Well, now I would, definitely. I yeah. didn't I didn't recognize him before. I didn't Oh, because you're out. young. That's yeah. why. Norman Lloyd, his first thing that he did in an entertainment medium was in 1923. This is okay. The last he was the headmaster in the school. The last thing he did in an entertainment medium was in 2015. The man entertained for 92 years, and he died three weeks ago at age 106. See why? I'm wondering. 
His last <laughs> film, he was over 100 when he was in a film. Was he just playing an old guy? I mean, at that point, I guess you do. Uh, the movie is called Trainwreck. It's got Amy Schumer and Bill Hader in it. That's a comedy, then. It is. I heard it wasn't great. If it's Amy Schumer... And... Mostly because it's Amy Schumer, but that's not story. Oh, it got a ton of money at the box office, so it shows what I know. Maybe it's just not my kind of humor. You know... Not right. enough puns for you. Not enough puns for me. <laughs> I... It doesn't... I, I mean, there's not going to be a, much of a description of... For that movie? Uh, no, there's no description of what his character was. His he he was playing a character named Norman. I suspect it was easier for him. It's it's really interesting that the he's a very recognizable person because he's been in so many things over the years. But but he's never been a, a lead probably in yeah. anything. I mm-hmm. uh, in the '40s he started working with Alfred Hitchcock, appearing in Saboteur and Spellbound. He produced Hitchcock's anthology tv series he directed and produced episodic television through the 50s 60s and 70s he was in charlie chaplin's limelight he was in the age of innocence in 93 he was a star on the tv show saint elsewhere which led me down a terrifying rabbit hole we the people at home don't want to hear about it yeah he it's interesting his credits um you know, a bit in a piece, a thing here, a thing there. He was in one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. He was in three episodes of Murder, She Wrote. A lot of television acting. Sounds like a guy they could call when someone else is called in sick at the last minute. Mm-hmm. He'd just do, do his it. thing. Yeah. Oh. He did a lot of television movies. If you, if you want to hear some old movie uh, story about this, 1939... He was invited to join... Which Wells is this? Is this The Wells? I think this is The Wells. I have to get to the end of the previous section because they concatenate them. I don't know what you're talking about. I believe this is the Orson Wells. What? What was this film? W-E-L-L-E-S. That's Orson. And other Mercury Theater members in the first film being prepared for RKO Pictures, who was uh, one of the uh, places that distributed Disney films. Mm -hmm. They were going to make Heart of Darkness which is a novella that did not end up getting made into a movie at the time. So he took part in a reading, and they were going to film it, and they were unable to trim enough money from the budget because RKO did not have enough money to throw at the project. And so Wells asked the actors to stick around, and he was going to put together another project. Hmm. And Lloyd was advised by a member of the radio company and returned to New York. And according to Lloyd, they stuck around and made Citizen Kane. Oh. <laughs> and he did not, Lloyd did not get to participate because he had gone home. Oh, that's not yeah. good. I, so, I, it looks like, I'm according to this, I don't think he fought in the, in, you know, he doesn't list anything about a military career, but after the war, after World War II, he had trouble getting back into acting because he was friends with people who were on the blacklist. Oh, see, that was bad. But Hitchcock had was good friends with him and basically gave him jobs until he got back into it. But yeah, he just kept working. Yeah. Kept working. Yeah. Well, good uh, for him. Oh, uh, he, was, he didn't want to uh, try out for this role in Dead Poets Society yeah. because he thought, uh, well, he... Uh, 
he thought the director and producers could judge whether or not he was right for the part by watching St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need to audition. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't audition for this. They know if I'm the right choice. They'd be calling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director was living in Australia and hadn't seen the show. Well, not everybody watches yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, more stuff. Guest appearances on Murder, She Wrote, The Twilight Zone, Star Trek, Next Generation, Wings, The Practice. He's been in radio plays. He just does stuff. Yeah, he's all right. This is the, this is the kind of guy that I think every actor really wants to be. They want to be the kind of person that just gets to create. I think that's kind of the ideal. Where you're not necessarily in it to be the star. You're not in it to make a million dollars. You're in it because you like acting. Well, mm-hmm. some people want to be a working character actor. Some people want to be a leading actor. Yeah. Some people want to be something in between. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, like, there's not... I don't think I had anyone else pulled up as people we need to pay attention to actor-wise in the film. Because it's... A lot of them are people that did a pretty good job in this movie and then just Mm -hmm. didn't really go on to do anything. Interesting that some of the young men who were students... Yeah. So they were, you know, as you said, born... They were probably around 20-ish or somewhat younger at the time of the filming some of them went on to just like this was the start of their career yeah several of them because they were so young and this was their kind of their breakout because they were they were young yeah Mm -hmm. they did i think they played very well so i wow development peter weir the director had wants to follow up after his two u.s breakthrough hits were witness and the mosquito coast with Harrison Ford. Ah. He wanted to make a comedy with Gerard Depardieu. Yeah. Who marries an American for convenience, and it's called Green Card. Ha. Little on the nose, but all right. Uh, unfortunately, Depardieu is pretty cool. And well, people who are pretty cool don't get to just go start another movie. They have waiting lists. Yeah, right. Well, because Gerard Depardieu is that way. Yeah. Uh, and so... He met with Jeffrey Katzenberg at Disney, because Touchstone is Disney. Right. Because hmm. Disney is everything. And he said, you know what? You should look at this script that we just got. And, yeah, they, he basically was, he read the script and went, yes, this. He did some pretty good films. Uh-huh. So, uh, ah, here's the bit about the based on the experiences of. So, Tom Schulman, based on Montgomery Bell Academy in Tennessee, not Vermont, though... Vermont will give you easier accents to understand than Tennessee, I believe. Uh, and his inspirational teacher, Samuel Pickering, hmm. who has a Wikipedia page. Ah, he's a writer and professor emeritus at University of Connecticut. Yeah. What's the significance of Mr. Pickering? That was the teacher that they based Mr. Keating on. Oh, I see. So originally Keating was slowly dying to Hodgkin lymphoma, but they removed it saying that audiences would focus on the illness and not what he stood for, which I think is pretty reasonable. I think it gave the it would give the movies a, t- a ticking timer. It would be, yeah, it would be a whole other focus, that's for yeah. sure. That was probably a very good move for this film. The uh, original notes suggested making the boys passion dancing rather than poetry. No. And they said no. Teenage I... boys dancing is not usually the, the thing. Yeah. During the shooting, the director requested the young cast not use modern slang even off camera, which well, made sure they didn't accidentally say it on camera. Sure. Mm. 
And something Mom mentioned a while ago, Liam Neeson originally got the part. It would have been different. Yep, because he took because uh, Peter Weir took over apparently from Jeff Canoe, who is probably best known for directing Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, that's a silly film. That is a very silly film. Other actors considered were Dustin Hoffman, Tom Hanks, and Mickey Rourke. Tom Hanks probably could have done it. Well, I think any of them could have done it. it Mickey have Rourke would have been a very different film. I mean, we've watched a movie with him in it. No, no, with Liam Le- that was a Liam Neeson podcast movie. <laughs> After, we have to get, I've watched too many movies. <laughs> I remember him being very young and not recognizing him and also thinking that his acting wasn't super great. Because he's Mickey Rourke and his acting isn't super great. Well... But you've seen him in in his more recent work. I've seen him in Iron Man 2. Yeah, that's more recent Yeah, and I saw some of Sin City. I'm pretty sure that was him. Anyways, uh, this movie did real good. Uh, Highest... You mean box office? Box office-wise, highest grossing drama of the year, which, interestingly enough, made it the fifth highest movie total of the year, which means this was a good year for not dramas. Yeah. Because I believe Little Mermaid was up there somewhere. Yeah. That's a different oh, type highest, of movie. Highest grossing films of the year. Uh, I don't recognize Look Who's Talking, but I recognize 3 through 1, and 6, and 7, and 8, and 9, and 10. Whoa. Little Mermaid was 9. So, at 10, Born on the 4th of July, yeah. Little Mermaid, Ghostbusters 2, Ew. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Lethal Weapon 2, Oh dear. Dead Poet Society, Look Who's Talking, Back to the Future 2, Batman, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. So, you know, Whoa. I recognize most of those. Hmm. That seems like a very uh, late 1980s kind of list of movies. I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, the internet says it's very good. Reviewers say it's very good. What do you mean, it's very good? The movie. This movie? This movie. Roger Ebert gave it a negative, uh, fairly negative review and says Williams spoiled an otherwise creditable dramatic performance by occasionally veering into his onstage comedian's persona. Ah. And lamented that for a movie set in the 50s, there was no mention of the Beat Generation writers. That's very true. But if they were focusing on dead poets, they, they wouldn't have focused they were, on they people were, that were you alive. Know, Walt Whitman and Thoreau. You're not going to also mention modern writers. yeah, Because they were focusing on dead poets. So Roger Ebert was perhaps a little off base there. But, yeah. Yeah. But a, a well-done film and very much worth the watch, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah, there was a lot of quality material here, not the least of which was some pretty interesting poetry clips. The boys didn't always write the great poetry. No. But I think they did good. Uh, no, most boys don't. The, well, I've yeah. written poetry. It wasn't great. And I guess that's my point is that it seemed, as a mother of four sons, it seemed uh, credible. It was not overly over the top, stupid boy. And it wasn't, oh, these boys are all angels, either. I mean, I think it struck a really good balance for 17-year-olds. Yeah. And there were some very good segments of them acting like... 17-year-olds. Like youth of that age. Yeah. They did a good job of that. Like it's spaghetti and meatballs now. Go. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that I think, uh, if we're going to go for a bigger movie, Harry Potter also did very well, is that... The kid, they're you know they're kids in a magic school, but there's definitely points in that movie where it's like these are eleven year olds. I did. 
Mm-hmm. Let them be kids, and as they go, and as them, that, there's eight of those movies, and by the eighth one, they've you know saved the world multiple times, and you know the worst man in existence is trying to kill them. They don't get to have innocence so and much they anymore. Mature so, a little bit, but yes. at the beginning, there it's a definitely another example where you you gotta let the kids act like kids. If you just do what like Saved by the Bell does, and have the teenagers act like adults who happen to be teenagers, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. No offense to Saved by the Bell. I'm sure they're great people. So, things we're talking about. Number one, the screenplay. The words. Were the words good? This movie was all about words, and the words were really good. Mm -hmm. No argument with that. Yeah. Uh, Before we get to the extra things, uh, we did, like, sit down, shut up, and notice the transition from the geese to the boys. Oh, yeah. That just popped right Since we're not talking about film editing, we have to talk about that, because that was... Some quality scene transition right there. Yeah, that was a that was definitely a sound editing thing. Yeah. Well, it was also a film editing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only Great. thing I found a little thin was at the end where they were having the mock trial and the events leading up to it and afterwards when our hundred year old guy was, yeah where he was uh, playing God and judge and jury mm-hmm. and the part of parents were there mm-hmm. and I thought the whole thing was just could have been in my mind a little better. Yeah. And after all. The only son of guy who did play God shot himself, and this is a serious business. Spoilers. And uh, it, it could have been like what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it reminded me of a lot of stuff during my life. It really did. I sat there trying to sort this out from the movie I thought I was going to be watching. Took me a while to get on to that. So well, I apologize. No problem. Well, and, and I guess then that makes it, you know, I think then that helps it to be a movie worth watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I don't recognize much in the way of other movies that were nominated for original screenplay. The only other one I recognize is When Harry Met Sally, which... That's Rob Reiner. I... Yeah. I... Woody Allen wrote a movie this year, and it got nominated, too. Let's not talk about that. I... Best... I... Adapted screenplay is Driving Miss Daisy. Well... Unsurprisingly. Rob Reiner is a commie, so he doesn't count. Huh! Oh! Well, I don't know about that, but... Oh, I do. Anyways, <laughs> uh, our next bonus... Ca- our first bonus category is Best Supporting Actor. So, how do we feel about the boys in general? Because a couple of them could have taken this one. Tough right. to differentiate. Well, and I'm not sure that there was anyone that was a particular that. outstanding. I mean, I think Ethan Hawke at the end was doing some mm-hmm. really good work because... Right, right. Getting appropriate emotional response out of someone when they're twenty on cue, yeah, is a bit mm-hmm. difficult. He did well. Right, right. He did. I I don't know if it definitely was not going to be enough to swing a nomination, much less the whole thing. I he would be going up against Denzel Washington, who won it. Dan Aykroyd, Marlon Brando, Martin Landau. You know. Oh. Some some heavy hitters. The star-studded cast. Yeah, you can't exactly you know get in on that, but I think I think he did a good job, and I would certainly hope that uh, both Ethan Hawke and Robert Leonard were proud of their performances, especially because Robert Leonard had to do play within a play. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, next, art direction. How do we feel about the setting and the uh, locations and such? I think it was pretty good, but it wasn't extraordinary. Well, it's because they didn't make anything. Yeah, they filmed yeah. at a cat, you know, an academy yeah. and a theater. Yeah, 
in Delaware. Right. Yeah. It just wasn't going to picturesque locations. Right. They did a good job finding a school, and it's very competent, and it's not right. over-the-top yeah. incredible. Frankly, I'm glad, they, I'm glad it went the way it did, because yeah. I was enjoying the screenplay. Distracting. Best art direction this year went to Batman for recreating Gotham City. Mm-hmm. And frankly, having seen at least a portion of that movie, it's not a small amount of work to create a fictional city. Uh, of course, then it would continue to be topped until they got to Batman and Robin and you're driving motorcycles on an arm. But that's another story. That's different. That movie did not win any awards. <laughs> and then we got cinematography. How do we feel about the use of camera in this one? You know, for example, all the spinning. Well, I think there were times that I think the spinning camera, um, it made me feel like life was crazy, like teenagerness. Yeah. And I think that was helpful. It was. Now, that's not something that's going to be like amazing Oscar winning. It's very good for telling the story they're trying to tell, but it's not yeah. going right. to yeah. blow anyone's socks off. It's so like when the, when the boys are chasing each other through the halls of the dorm. And the camera is zipping around, you know, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. chasing them with them. Yeah. I mean, it was well done. Yeah. It was appropriate what, for yeah. the... It's what the story situation. called for. The story yeah. called for this particular style of camera work, and they did it very correctly. It did not right. call for Oscar-winning camera work, and right. the camera guy did not stand on his podium and say, no, I can camera this better, yeah. which is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did a very good right. job. Right. Uh, I've not seen Glory, but apparently it had good cinematography because it won. It won. Ah, historical war dramas. Yeah. Uh, that one is. Uh, oh no, yeah, no, that one's going to win awards. Glory uh, is a pretty good film. The Union Army's first African American regiment in the yeah. Civil War. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good film. That was, I mean, that's a good film. It's both a good film and those sound like uh, you know Oscar mm-hmm. people would just perk up their ears mm-hmm. at the very concept. Matthew of the Broderick and Denzel, Denzel Washington. Washington. Yeah. Both did a very good job in that film, as did many others. Yeah. But that's our categories. Anything else for us to add about the film? Can't think. As one who knows a little bit about snow, I enjoyed the snow scenes. I thought they were... Most yeah. of them were real snow, yeah. too. Yeah. Sometimes it was fake snow, which yeah, we, we can well, recognize because we were from here. That's what I mean. Yeah. For fake snow, it wasn't oh. all that bad. Oh, no. They did very good fake snow. I, I also, I think, correctly pegged that... Grandpa would like this movie a bit based on the callback to old poet people because you know you know yourself some of them. Yeah, you don't necessarily call them all your favorite, but I mean you were quoting along with some of them. All my favorite. No, no, I didn't say that. I just don't remember. Yeah. All right. I mom take us out. I guess. Well, that came to an abrupt conclusion. It's we've been recording for thirty-five minutes. It's not that abrupt. Oh, well, then we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. And those of you who pay attention can now see how long the episode actually is to know how much I cut out. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just stop talking so I can get my silence at the end so I can...